Hello everyone, welcome back to LadyPod with me, Lottie Morley. LadyPod is all about highlighting wonderful women from all walks of life. It's storytelling for the sisterhood. On this week's episode, I'm joined by the woman who put together a dossier of sexual assault and harassment allegations against boys from several of the UK's top private schools. Zan Moon is a former Benenden boarding school student. Zan was assaulted by a private schoolboy when she was 15, nearly 10 years ago. Here she is. Hi, Zan. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Hi, Lottie. Thank you for having me on. Lovely to speak to you. So let's get straight into it. You were all over the news last week. Front page headlines, all online, everywhere. Tell me why that was. Yeah, so on Monday the 29th of March, I published an open letter which I sent out to multiple different private schools and universities exposing the rape culture crisis which is so prevalent within those uh, schools and universities and um, the letter contained 14 pages worth of testimonies from brave young women who have come forward with allegations of all sorts of different sexual harassment, online abuse against privately educated boys. And um, yeah, the letter hit the news headlines. um, And I'm very grateful because um, we really need to expose the the rape culture crisis that we have on our hands here. Um, And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really important that we're having these conversations. So I'm really grateful to be able to speak about it on here and, and encourage others to talk about it as well. So what made you put it together? So I went to private school and I was socialising with Eton and Tunbridge and all of these sort of very elite schools and finding that, you know, there was just a culture of misogyny and unfortunately sexual harassment um, within all different types of of private schools and private school boys that I, I interacted with. And it wasn't until you know, in the wake of Me Too and and Sarah Everard and and all of these types of things that um, women started talking about it more and and started to realise that, you know, we've all had very, very similar experiences of sexual harassment. And in particular, I found that we all had very similar experiences of sexual harassment perpetrated by very similar boys. And it was always these sort of privately educated, rich, privileged young boys who think that they're untouchable and um, push themselves onto girls. And, you know, I have a multitude of different sexual harassment experiences over the course of my life. Um, One in particular, which made the headlines about a boy from Eton who sexually harassed me when I was 15. And, you know, I just, I'm lucky in the sense that I feel quite confident talking about that. So I came forward with that allegation alongside my letter in the hopes that it would encourage more women to talk, because I really think that, you know, we've been silenced for too long now and it's time to speak up. So this happened when you were 15 years old, is that right? Yeah, well, that that's just one example, but yes. So what made you put it together now? Was it this, you know, you, you mentioned the Sarah Everard and the Me Too movement. Was there something specific that sort of made you think, I'm going to do this now? I think within the Sarah Everard case, it was really shocking to a lot of us who um saw ourselves in her shoes um walked that pathway home multiple different times and 
you know, she did everything right by wearing running shoes and calling her boyfriend and walking on well at, at streets. And then for the media to sort of come out and say that it was, she was doing something wrong or, you know, it's always the woman's fault. And this kind of spurred me into discussions around sexism and expectations on women. And in the wake of also Meghan Markle and, and all of that sort of harassment and, and angry rants from Piers Morgan, and definitely sexism has been something that I've been thinking very hard about recently and, and wanted to do something about. And then I've seen, you know, people were sending in letters to Dulwich and King School Wimbledon, which, I, you know, I live by. So um, really that kind of inspired me. And, and I wanted to to reach out and see if anyone had similar experiences with Thumbridge and Eton. And, and it was only meant to be for them. And um, after a week, I had 14 pages. So, you know, you can't ignore that. And, and I just had to address them all in one go. So if you don't mind, uh, tell, would you tell me about your your personal experience, the one that's been referenced in the news? Yeah, of course. So <clears throat> this is an example of the sort of privileged lifestyle we're talking about with these private school uh, boys and girls. A girl from my school had rented accommodation, a house in Dorset on the beach for her birthday, her 16th birthday. And um, we were all going to stay in this house with no parents for the weekend. So, you know, we're sort of trapped there. You can't, you can't go home in the middle of the night. And um, there were a bunch of boys there, some Eton, some Tunbridge. And one of these boys just made a beeline for me and decided that he wanted it. I made it very clear I didn't. Um, and it started out where, where we were just, we were all sat on the sofa and we were top and tail. And he was like riding his foot up my thigh and then proceeded to put his toe into my genitals um which was really uncomfortable and in front of everyone I smacked smacked his foot off and then ran out the room and then he followed me and then tried to kiss me and then I tried to resist but he grabbed my neck and pinned me against the wall and choked me while he put his hands down my pants and sexually harassed me and that that carried on the whole night. It started around 11, 12. And, you know, the rest of the party, we were all up till 7am. And it was just relentless. I kept saying no, kept saying, I don't want to, but nobody intervened. He didn't stop. Everyone could see it happening. And, you know, while he is guilty of being the perpetrator, but all of the boys around there and the bystanders and the girls, in fact, are, you know, compliant with that sort of behaviour and, and not speaking up. And, I, I just, I'm baffled as to how I, it's taken me so long to sort of speak about it. Oh God, that sounds absolutely horrific. And I'm so sorry that happened to you just to start off. But do you think that the, the reason people didn't get involved is because it, it, like they had experienced stuff like that too and thought it was maybe normal? Definitely. And I think that's part of the problem. I didn't raise a concern. I didn't tell my school. I didn't talk to anyone because I thought that was normal. And that is the problem. You know, you have young girls growing up thinking that sex equals pushy boys. That's what I thought sex was. I thought that, you know, the way sex happens is boys try on, girls say no, and then boys keep trying and then the girls just give in because that's exactly what I'd had all throughout my youth. And you just grow used to boys not taking no for an answer and shrugging it off as boys will be boys. Oh, you know, they're just... They're just a bit rapey. That's what boys would always say. They'd go, oh, he's just a bit rapey, Zan. 
like that's awful sorry that's not acceptable but we've all internalized it as normal and and now is the time to sort of deconstruct those beliefs because it's extremely harmful and you know this behavior needs to stop so back to the dossier what sort of allegations were women sending to you and how did you go about getting them to getting people to send them to you in the first place yeah so i'll start with how i got the allegations in the first place i originally just posted a instagram story and i asked if anyone had any experience with private school boys and you know it was a domino effect of of people flooding in in my dms and then i found that um it might be more useful to do a google form because then it's a bit more anonymous so i did that as well and and combined you know as a message trickled out and i i still have so many more testimonies coming in to me today the types of allegations they really vary from slut shaming online abuse um rating girls to their face to groping, upskirting, sometimes very serious cases of of rape and and, um, sexual assault. You've got girls being penetrated while they're asleep and while they're unconscious. Um, You've also got cases of domestic abuse and all sorts of, of kind of online harassment and coercion online as well. So forcing girls to send pictures by saying that they're fat and everyone will continue to think they're fat if they don't prove them wrong by sending naked pictures. And, you know, the list goes on. It's unbelievable. And it's important to note it, it's not just limited to schools. There are universities implicated in this as well. So, you know, it's a widespread problem and one that needs to be tackled immediately. Was this something that you and your friends when you were at school, did you speak to each other about it, like the girls no, we didn't speak to each other. And the reason for that is because I don't think any of us understood the shades of grey about sexual harassment. We weren't educated about what sexual harassment is. You know, it was very much black and white. Rape is a stranger coming in, pinning you down and penetrating you. And it was never a discussion around online harassment or um whether you you know you you've been groped without your consent. It was there was nothing around consent at school. And so you grow up kind of just thinking that your case isn't that bad because, you know, you've you've not got visible scars all over your body. And, and I think that's part of the problem now. We need to reform sex, sexual education to educate young girls and young boys around the intricacies of misogynistic abuse um, and rape culture and, and how that kind of trickles into language as well. So what was the response to the dossier when you put it together? How, how did you go about getting it out there? Did you put it online somewhere or...? Yeah, so I started out... Um, obviously, I, I gave the school some time to respond before I uploaded it. But I originally just sent it out to all the, the headmasters and then I posted it on my Instagram. By the next day, it had spread like wildfire and... Um, caught the attention of journalists and, and the press and it's gone, gone, gone crazy. This week's been crazy, but it's good. It's very good. And the schools that you sent it to as well, how have they responded or have they responded? Yeah, so it's varied again. Some of the schools have completely ignored my emails, which is shameful. Some have replied with blanket kind of 
wishy-washy, yeah, we know it's a problem, we're trying to tackle it. And then others have asked to meet, like Eton, Tunbridge, St Paul's, and actually my old school, Benenden, who I didn't include in the letter, but reached out and, and wants to talk about how to, to make changes together. So that that's promising. But um, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, the screen grab account implicates a lot more schools, not limited to private schools, and no one has responded to that whatsoever. So that that's something that I need to try and push out and, and try and encourage some action. So in an ideal world, Zan, like what would you like to see happen? Well, how long have you got? <laughs> We've got as long as you need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much that needs to change. Um, I'll start with schools, because I think that's the simplest the simplest way to sort of go, go about changing things. is very, very simple. You need to reform sex education for young boys and young girls. You know, it was only 2018 where sex education was made mandatory as part of the curriculum and even then it's not until year 11 or it's up to the schools to kind of decide so there needs to be a real focus on sex education right from a young age and working with organizations that are specialists in sex education having workshops on what consent is the harmful effects of misogyny um going into real black and white talking about it in detail, um, talking about the role of pornography, talking about um, the harmful stereotypes of femininity. It really needs to get into the kind of crux of, of the issues and not shy away in, in this British British fashion that everybody always does, you know, sweep sex under the carpet. As well as that, there needs to be complete reform and support for young women. So far too often, these young girls have just been dismissed by headmasters and said, there's nothing we can do. Um, it, it, that has to change. There needs to be a zero tolerance policy and a rehabilitation program for those young boy, boys so that they stop their behaviour from reoffending. They need to be educated and um, the girls need to have proper support, counselling and an easy uh, way to sort of disclose what's been going on. Online forms and, and things like this are, are some suggestions that I've given. As well as that, I think you need to update your curriculum to talk about feminism. You need to update it to talk about women's rights and contemporary feminism. I just think it's it's crazy how you can pay £44,000 a year to go to Eton. And not a penny's worth of that is going towards a very simple lesson of teaching boys what consent means and how to respect women. And, you know, they have the resources. Get famous feminists in pay for private investigations into your schools why not suggest self-defense lessons in PE for girls these are really simple fixes and then it needs to happen so those are some of the ideas for schools that I've put to them but I think there needs to be a massive cultural shift you know rape culture is not limited to schools it's prevalent throughout society and we need to all act together Parents need to educate their kids and have discussions with their kids about sex, about consent, about sexual harassment and um, really deconstruct misogynistic beliefs when they hear them. And so too should we with our friends at dinner parties. Far too often, friends just shrug off their mate's behaviour or them saying 
something sexist about a friend or doing something that's potentially a little bit dodgy at a party and laughing it off because he's just that type of guy. Like, this can't this can't go on. We have to speak up. M- might be an awkward conversation, but it's a very important conversation. And if we don't do it now, and if we don't speak up now and challenge those beliefs, then this is only going to continue and get worse. Now, you touched on this just a second ago. Do you think this is strictly a private school thing or do you think that we just live in a misogynistic society? I think we live in a patriarchal society and rape culture is prevalent and unfortunately sort of ingrained in society in general. However, in private education, it's a very dangerous culture of entitlement. These boys are told that they, you know, they're the cream of the crop, they're going to be CEOs, incredibly privileged lifestyles and rich parents. And all of this kind of adds up to them feeling like they're untouchable. Added to which, people that they have grown up with, are, you know, they don't face consequences for their actions, perhaps because their parents are able to pay them off or daddy will provide and bail them out. And, you know, they're not seeing repercussions for this type of behaviour. And that's incredibly dangerous as well as the fact that the privately educated boys are some of the boys that are going on to be world leaders and CEOs and, you know, Boris Johnson is an Eton boy. These are people who will be changing the laws in society. So it's really important that the focus in private education is on creating young, respectful, feminist boys that are going to be safe people to be friends with you know not these sort of entitled untouchable privileged young chauvinists that end up sometimes beating up their girlfriends that's absolutely shocking yeah i mean i've seen some of the stuff on the screen grabs um instagram or we'll come on to that but horrific stuff yeah oh my god yeah i mean horrific but like not surprising that's the problem do you know what i mean everyone's always asking me like are you are you surprised are you taken back were you shocked and I'm like no and that's the problem mm. shocked by anything that I read because it, it reminded me of all the people that I was brought up with and it reminded me of x experience or y experience at a different point in my life and sadly this is just the reality for so many girls that we're just grow so normalized to and, and it's just unacceptable What was the response from your friends and family, actually, when you released that? Did they already know about your experiences or was that sh- uh, news to them? Uh, they didn't know about it. Um, my my friends have been really supportive and my mum is, is obviously very supportive as well. Um, I think it's it's hard because they sort of... I'm also questioning themselves and like, why didn't I know about this? And is it my fault that I didn't you know, educate Dan and and um also let's probably feel a bit guilty for sending all of our family to private education schools. Some some of the you know the, the schools that my my brothers went to are some of the worst mentioned in my dossier. So I think there's probably a mix of emotions there and and um it's probably a little bit hard to grapple with as well to hear that that's happened to your daughter. So your brothers went to some of the schools that <laughs> are in the dossier yes yeah oh my god yeah what did they think um 
we don't talk about it because we're very British. It's sort of stiff upper lip, shove it under mm. the air. And um, yeah, they haven't asked me about it um, at all. And I think that's sort of the problem. Like boy, boys and families feel too awkward talking about sex and talking about sexual assault. And we need to normalise these discussions because unfortunately in the bedroom is where a lot of the dark stuff happens so um yeah I think we've got a little way to go before our family are are speaking openly about (laughs) my sex life (laughs) do you know what though actually I feel like talking about sex and talking about sexual assault should be very should be very different conversations shouldn't they like yeah okay maybe you don't want to talk about sex with your brother like if you you know whatever you're getting up to but sexual assault is actually something awful that's happened to you I'm not I'm not one to judge but it just feels like it's a different it's a different kind of conversation yeah it does feel like a different kind of conversation I think this is the trouble with so many things in society we've just shoved down as taboo and you know we don't talk about that and it's almost like people are sort of like I don't know if you've ever watched Miranda but you know the way she goes like ex um it's just I've not seen that uh, what is it it's just like people are so scared to say the word like text um, in public and, and things and <laughs> yes. and this is a problem we need to start talking about it and I, only then can we have proper open discussions and and figure out what's go- what's actually going on in each other's lives like I I blame myself for not asking my friends as well as you know my friends didn't ask me so we all have a role to play and I think that's the key takeaway here have any of your friends that you went to boarding school with have any of them come out and said oh my god I had no idea about that or have come out with their own experiences to you yeah loads honestly daily really my friends come forward with allegations and in the same way you know they had no idea about me. I had no idea about them. And, and it's it's painful to read that this was happening. And I did nothing back then to support them because I, I didn't know. Um, but I'm sure they feel the same. There's just a lot of anger now. And the anger is is being directed at the schools because, you know, <clears throat> specifically with private education, your parents are paying their life's earnings towards you getting top education in the country and it's only fair that that education includes discussions around your safety and ensuring you know you go into the world feeling confident and that you're going to be protected with all this knowledge but I didn't know anything about feminism I only learned about it because I chose to study it at university and that's just unforgivable that I grew up the age of 19 20 and my school had taught me nothing about my rights in the world and the history of them. It's just laughable. I honestly don't even know if we learn about, I think we probably touched on like Emmeline Pankhurst, that sort of thing. Mm. But I mean, we've come, I'd like to think we've come a long way since then. Yeah. And we don't, there's no modern feminism, nothing like that, is that's there? That's it, that's it. And that's what I said to, I spoke to Eton today and it, it can't just be, you know, second wave suffragettes. It needs to be contemporary feminism and, and keep up with the times and sort of evolving feminism that's growing around social media and and um having agency over your body and birth control and things like this so I think the schools need to and the government need to update the syllabus completely um because you know it's not totally the school's fault for for 
not educating us in terms of um, what's written on the exam syllabus. They can't control what's in the history syllabus, but they can control P PSHE lessons and anything outside of that. Um, so I think it's really important, um, especially because, in, you know, in safer and uh, sorry, uh, state schools, I've been made aware that some of them are partner partnered with the police as part of the safer sex scheme where they have police come into their schools and um, deliver workshops on consent as part of that partnership, um, which is amazing. And there was none of that in private education. I don't understand why, because surely they've got the funds to be able to provide that service. Yeah, if you've got the funds, there's literally no excuse, is there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. You mentioned that you met with Eaton today. Uh, can you tell me how that went? Yeah, I, it went well. I gave them some constructive criticism and um, showed them some screenshots of some very worrying online sexual abuse. And I think that shocked them into act acting. Um, but it was it was helpful. I've, I've sort of followed up with a, an email of actions and they want to meet and collaborate in the future, which is really promising. So, you know, I can always check back in and see if they're actually following through uh, out of interest how old were the people in the room that you met with today ish so it was headmaster and the safeguarding lead and i would guess that they were in their 50s late 40s both men uh the the headmaster's a man yes and the safeguarding lead is newly appointed as a woman but actually i did ask them what's your female representation in the school and he looked a bit sheepish and then said not good enough um and then um, I asked him what representation of the housemasters, which is, you know, the people that the boys look up to and grow up with and spend the most amount of time with in their different boarding houses. And he said zero were women. So um, that's something that I've told them they need to desperately work on immediately. I, I didn't go to private school, so I'm not sure. But is that like kind of the closest thing they have to a like a, a parent figure? It, it's exactly that. You they become a, a, a sort of mother or father figure or, or role model in your life. Um, and you spend the most amount of time with them. And certainly for me, that was um, the person that I looked up to and based my values and beliefs around. Um, so I think it's really important that those people are strong, inspiring feminist women to give those boys someone to look up to and, and um, someone to learn from. Yeah. And and actually, if they respect that that person, you'd like to think that that would then trickle down into the way they treat other women as well. You would hope. You would hope so. I mean, the reason I asked for the age and whether they were men or women mm. was because you said they were shocked about the screenshots that you showed them. So I wondered whether, you know, our parents' generation, do you think this was something that just didn't happen? Well, I, I'm confused why they're shocked because I'm not shocked and I'm assuming we're a similar sort of age. It is this generational gap where people just accepted that as normality, you know, in the same way back then people were awfully homophobic and racist. They were sexist too. And that was just part and parcel of society. And no one really challenged that because it was the norm. So I don't think it's a case where that didn't happen or didn't exist, but actually it did happen but they are sort of unable to identify it because it was so normal in their life that nobody questioned it. And therefore they've sort of 
pushed it down and and brushed it off as just mm. growing up. But I do think that I do think that they do understand because as more and more people talk about it, I think they identify things in their own life. Like I've had women of the age of 40 and 50 and 60 come to me and say, oh, I'm so glad you're speaking about this. It was certainly the case in my time. But, you know, you guys just aren't willing to put up with it as much as we were. They're just so used to it that they don't challenge it. There's nothing that makes me more sad than internalised misogyny. Because I'm just like, come on, girls. If we can't do it, then nobody can. The thing is, I understand it. We live in a patriarchal society. I understand where it comes from. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a very strong character, so I think I'm lucky that I've I had a strong female figure in my life and my mum... You know, my mum's one of the ballsiest women I know. I, I and I'm really lucky because I know a lot of people they don't have that. Yeah. So maybe that's where maybe that's where I've I've kind of, you know, I've got that like, come on girls, let's let's do this. But did, did you not have like if ever we spoke up or showed any signs of being, you know, pro women, we'd be brandished as either a lesbian or a angry, raging feminist like a hating male perspective and it was very much like oh god if you speak up and support women then you're going to be labeled as this awful being and and for a very long time being labeled as a feminist I think many women didn't want to be labeled with that because of of the way that sort of men have tried to push it down and and minimalize it as as something to be ridiculed and I think it's only in really really recent years like maybe one or two years and some of my friends still I don't think would call themselves feminists because of society and the way it's made them them look but um I think it's only a really recent sort of discovery and ownership of of that title and and I hope that it only gets more popular I want it to be you know right on your tinder bio that's what I'm talking about yeah you want to be a proud feminist and and for women and men not just women because I mean if women can't be feminists then you know we've got a real issue like we know we've got a real issue but that is, you know, we've got to start. Well, I say we've got to start there. Like everyone could just start now. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's really simple. It's women's rights. It's basic safety and human rights. Yeah, honestly. Do you know what you said about going to a feminism lecture and kind of it all clicking and being like, oh my God, I get this. Do you know what? I think I had lots of moments when I was younger, probably up until I was probably about, I don't know, 21-ish, where I was really angry at situations that had happened, really angry at men speaking down to me or boys making comments on the tube or men speaking to me differently than they would to my the guys in the room. Oh, girls aren't funny. I am a funny person. <laughs> no, the general consensus is that I'm quite, fu- I mean, I'm not being big-headed here, but I'm quite a funny person. And I just felt like, I'm being hard done by here by all of these blokes being like batting me off. And I was like, nah, I deserve better than this. I actually don't even know how I got into feminism and understanding it more. But there was definitely a point where I was like, oh, right. Okay. Like you said, there was that moment of realization. And it's one of those things where you know where someone says, okay, um, try not to be aware of your blinking. And then... so aware of your blinking you're like wow when's my I'm blinking right uh," and it's all you can think about and it's kind of like that like I became aware of the feminist perspective and sexist culture um and the patriarchy and then 
boom, literally, I could notice it everywhere and I was angered by it everywhere. I think that that was so key for me, but it happened way too late. And and I I really hope that those lessons around feminism and those realisations can happen from an earlier and earlier age until these these kids are taught in, you know, primary school about feminist perspectives and, and loving their bodies and standing up for themselves. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great, young baby feminists? I would love that. I'm on board with that. I would love that. So there's one thing that people always say. When women, or mostly women, come out with sexual harassment or sexual assault experiences a really long time after, or even like a few years after it's happened, people always say, why didn't that person speak up earlier? Why didn't they say it had happened at the time? And I know obviously we've we've covered, you know, you were young and it was, you know, accepted and normal and all of that. But why do you think that people wait a while? It's not waiting a while. I think it's shame culture. Like there is just such a problem in society where women have grown up seeing other women coming forward with rape allegations and being invalidated and being questioned and being posed the question of whether they brought it on themselves or why they were in that bathroom with them at that time or why they were wearing such a short skirt and it perpetuates this belief that it's the woman's fault and that she won't be believed and that's really harmful for young girls you know there's a lot of hormones flying around at a young age anyway and a lot of that is about peer pressure and your place in the social circle and in young girls I think particularly are incredibly worried about fitting in and they don't want to be they don't want to do anything that will jeopardize their sort of reputation and for far too long women have been accused of lying accused of you know attention seeking about it being slut shamed over over coming forward with rape allegations and that has a knock-on effect And as well, a lot of these girls are friends with the boys that it happens to. And I think that's part of the problem because people think of rape as someone who's just come out of nowhere in a dark alley. And often it's not that. It's really blurred lines where you have a friend who's liked you for a while, catches you when you're extremely drunk and takes advantage of you. And then the girl's in the tricky position of their whole friendship group being best mates with these boys and then risk coming forward and and publicly shaming him and dealing with the repercussions from the boys from that because often the boys will then unfortunately target and harass the girl and make her life worse so for her it's easier just to stay silent keep going and and just you know deal deal with it on her own which is which is really sad and and shouldn't be that way but that there it is and that's why we need to normalize speaking up about it um, to protect those young girls who are experiencing it right now and, and maybe considering speaking up about it. You've started up a couple of initiatives. So you've got Defend Her and Screen Grab Them. So talk me through both of these ideas to start off with. Sure. So Defend Her is, as a result of In the Wake of Sarah Everard, um, women when a lot of my girlfriends were feeling really unsafe walking the streets at night and I have decided to set up an Instagram page dedicated to 
showing self-defense tips for women. So really simple things like how to use your keys as a weapon, you know, not falling for the simple myth of sticking them in between your fingers because that's actually the wrong way to do it. Um, easy things like that and how to escape a chokehold from someone who's stronger than you. Um, so little tips and tricks to help women feel a little bit safe to, safer on the streets. And along with that, I'm trying to get the government to put self-defense lessons into schools as a mandatory part of PE. So that's Defend Her. Um, <clears throat> and I guess being a boxer myself, I have personal experience of how having combat skills can really leave you feeling a little bit more empowered and a little bit more confident. And I think it it can be really helpful, a little bit more knowledge about how to, to protect themselves just in case the worst scenario does happen. Um, which it does for 97% of 18 to 24 year olds. So it's only right that they've got knowledge about what to do in that scenario. Screen Grab Them is an initiative to end online harassment and rape culture. And the reason it started was I was finding through discussions with the media and journalists that the testimonies that carried the most weight were those with photographic evidence. And I think for far too long, social media has been part of the problem. It's perpetuated this rape culture with, you know, sharing new pictures and using Twitter to troll people. And I think now it's our time to use social media to fight back and use it to our advantage. So the idea is that you screen grab any online abuse, any coercion, any evidence of derogatory behaviour you send it to the Screen Grab Them account and edit out any identifying names or details. And then I upload it and I tag the schools in the picture and keep hashtagging them to demand them to take action. And I think it's really helpful to have a page where you can see how widespread the problem is and actually use it as a deterrent for young boys. So I've actually heard from some Tunbridge boys that people are deleting pictures off their phone rapidly and being really careful because they don't want, they've heard about the Screen Grab Them account and they don't want to be screenshotted and posted on there. And that's the aim, you know, you you want it to be this public shaming thing where they're forced and feared into respecting women and, and not sending all of this online harassment in case they get screenshotted and, and posted online. Joe, it's a real shame that it has to be fear of ruining their reputation rather than a genuine respect for women. <laughs> I know, but, but it's baby means, steps. You know, needs must. <laughs> it's, it's baby steps. It's real baby steps. I've seen some of the some of the conversations that you've posted on this group, uh, on, the, on the Instagram, sorry, and they are shocking. Oh, shocking's the wrong word. They are horrifying. They're horrifying. <laughs> awful and and they were so easy to obtain all I did was say to people why don't you chat search slut slag pick tits frigid rape into your facebook search or your whatsapp history and floods of stuff comes in all manner of things you know forcing girls to send them pictures making jokes about how they've raped people nullifying rape claims when a girl's come forward, literal online abuse. You know, you really get the sense of the enticement behind these boys when they send things like, I'm God, you're scum, love. You know, I'm a handsome Etonian. I'm the best you could have ever had. You fucking slag. You, it's awful. And then, you know, more recently, there's been some really horrific 
evidence of domestic abuse by an Etonian boyfriend. And I think it's it's only right that this is exposed so that, that people know, you know, we're watching you. And if you don't start acting right, mm. going to post it online and tag your school until the school take action. Oh my God, I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a result of the misogynistic culture of the school they went to. And the boys just haven't changed because they've gone unchallenged. So they're still behaving that way. Do you know what? It's interesting that we're having this conversation because the, literally the other day I was speaking to my friend and she said, oh my God, look at these messages from one of her friends. And it was that classic, which I'm sure if you're a woman, you have had either had one of these or heard of somebody speaking like this. It was a bloke messaging her. I mean, she's probably like 25-ish. A bloke messaging her saying... Oh, he was interested. He was making a pass at her, basically, trying to, you know, chat her up. And she didn't reply. He was then, he, he tried again. He tried again. No reply, no reply. And then he, he changed his tune and he was like, oh, well, you know, you're disgusting anyway. And you're fat and you're ugly. And That is literally. Oh, my God. Like. Classic. So classic. That that reminds me of, like, so, so many different posts. And, like, it's important to note that there's a, a wide variety here. There's things like literally, I'm going to rape you on summer camp to um, the app that was set up at Bristol University called Waggle It, where boys posted anonymous questions about girls and then everyone voted on the answer. And you can see how many answers, how many um, people had voted for certain answers. So it's honestly so disgusting so it was i won't say the name but it was what does and then the girl's name want more and then the answers were to be one of the lads her hymen to regrow or for somebody to actually like her and then people vote on the right answer and then it'll be like what would x like in her pants and then someone's dick any dick will do and then it's just oh it's just awful and then people would you could oh my god i was targeted because they were like who's the biggest lesbian in hyatt baker and because i was out so everyone voted and i narrowly lost to a boy which i'm interested in because <laughs> why did i <laughs> i try very hard to be a very big lesbian <laughs> but hey i mean what can you do so yeah i mean it completely varies so any screenshots of anything go um the point is that we're just trying to highlight this is real this is happening and you can't ignore it because we're showing you a, a literal picture evidence of it yeah i mean that's an excellent idea and also something that people love to do is be like oh well can you prove it and you're like actually yes i can yes here's, here's a whole instagram yes. account yes i can <laughs> that, that's the point because we're discussing it with my parents and stuff people still have this narrative that pe women are lying and i just want to hit them with the statistic crime survey showed that men are 230 times more likely to be raped than to be falsely accused of rape. Let that just sink in before you start questioning whether I'm telling the truth or whether, you know, I'm fabricating some story because there's a lot of fake news around that and it's important that people understand that we're... Why would we lie about that? Um, and anyway, here's our photographic evidence to prove it so you can't ignore it now. I absolutely love that stat. I throw that about all the time. It's such a good one, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I just feel like it just absolutely shuts down that argument completely, doesn't it? I know. I can't wait for all the debates I'm going to have with my parents where I can bring it out. <laughs> what advice would you give for people, so probably younger people school age, that might be in a situation where 
somebody has sexually assaulted them or they feel like they can't speak out, what would you say to them? I think I'd first say there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not your fault. You know, the perpetrator and the evil boy that has done that to you is the one who should be hanging his head in shame. And fortunately, we're now in a society where I think people are recognising that now and recognising the bravery of girls who do speak up. So speak to friends, speak to someone that you can trust. Just talk about it and and you never know. They might have had a really similar experience and, and you know, two voices are louder than one. Perhaps they can go to they can go with you to report it to, to family or to school or to the authorities. You know, we're all in this together. You just have to to remember that you're you're not to blame. You're not a slut, you're not a slag, you're a strong, independent woman. You can speak up. You do have the confidence and it's important because if you speak up your friend might speak up and her friends might speak up and then little by little more and more people will start to shine a light on this subject and then force government bodies and schools and friendship groups to to react and change and hopefully you know sexism becomes part of our our distant history and part of our past as as a result of all of, all of that so that would be my advice we should send Zan Moon into schools, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that on the curriculum. Oh, wow. Confidence lessons with Zan Moon. <laughs> hey guys, a silent plug. I'm here. I'm here till midnight. What would you say is the worst thing about being a woman? I think it's the, the worst part of being a woman is the constant battle. It's the constant battle to be listened to, to be heard, to have women's rights, to fight the system is just such a tiring battle and it it becomes exhausting to try and and constantly try and explain yourself and explain why certain stereotypes are harmful towards women and why we need to be paid the same and and why it's 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 not fair to call people a slut if they have agency over their own body and and why you know you don't have to shave to be beautiful it's just constant battle to try and explain away misogyny when it should be plain and simple. And I, I find that I'm at a point now where I hear something and I just sigh because I'm like, oh, I'm disappointed in you. But more disappointed because I just don't, it's so, so much energy. It's so much of our mental health. Mm. We shouldn't be the ones having to educate these boys and these men they should be doing it of their own accord, but they don't. So then we have to step in and, and it is very tiring. So yeah, I think, I think it's the constant battle for rights, really. And then what would you say is the best thing? The best thing about being a woman, for me, it's the fact I can get with other women because I'm a big fat lesbian. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I think also... <laughs> I think it's the empowerment that you that you can feel when when you sort of own yourself like you know we're great we come in all different sizes we're beautiful we're you know I I, I just well I think this is just probably the lesbian speaking in me but I just I love us I love women and there's so much to be proud of there's so many strong inspiring figures throughout history and in society as well that we should be proud of and look up to and and really rejoicing so yeah the best part is is the sort of empowerment that you can feel when you take ownership for, for who you are 
Thank you for listening and thank you so much to Zan Moon for joining me. A big thank you to Easy Peel for making Ladypod's amazing theme tune. That's it for another series of Ladypod. If you want more, you can listen to series one and two on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you've enjoyed Ladypod, please rate, review and subscribe. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.